الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى والصلاة والسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى أما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم إن إبراهيم كان أمة قانتا لله حنيفا ولم يكن من المشركين شاكرا لأنعمه اجتباه وهداه إلى صراط مستقيم وقال تعالى ومن أحسن دينا ممن أسلم وجهه لله وهو محسن واتبع ملة إبراهيم حنيفا واتخذ الله إبراهيم خليلا صدق الله العظيم We are almost on the eve of this very great occasion of Eid al-Adha. And everybody is in the spirit of Qurbani. And this is something that we are meant to be in. Spirit of Qurbani is something that should be stirred within us. And that is why we are put through this Amal every year practically. Because this is not just a ritual it is not just something for the sake of having something to eat or even for that matter it is not in itself for the purpose of sharing something with others though that is among the adab the etiquettes that a person in terms of the qurbani animal he should keep one portion for himself share one portion with the poor and needy, one portion with family and friends. But that in itself is not the object of Qurbani. If a person had to slaughter an animal, and for some reason he did not manage to, to, to share one bit of it with anybody, and neither consume one bit himself. Whatever the reason was, he was in such a place where to slaughter it and carry on. Then too, the wajib, that was upon him would be fulfilled and he would still get the full reward of the ibadat of Qurbani. So though not one bit of it was possible to consume, if that was the case, by anybody for that matter, then too the full reward was attained, his wajib was fulfilled. This makes it very, very clear and evident that the object is not merely just the slaughter for the sake of the meat, for the sake of feeding some poor person, that is a secondary aspect that will come out of it. What is the purpose of an object of Qurbani? That is the slaughter itself and the spirit that that slaughter should bring into a person. Ibrahim والسلام, was ordered to slaughter his son, a person's own child, and a child like Ismail والسلام, a child is more beloved to a person than his own life. So it was something beyond one's own life that he was asked to give. Something beyond his own life that he was asked to sacrifice. And he was ready for that. And he went ahead to do it. So this Qurbani actually is teaching a person that he should be ready to give his own life. For the cause of Allah Taala, On the command of Allah Taala. But in lieu of that, Allah Ta'ala has allowed him to sacrifice one animal. 
animal is actually in lieu of his own life, so to say. It's teaching him the spirit of sacrificing for the command of Allah wa ta'ala to uphold the deen of Allah ta'ala and to live a life in the way that Allah ta'ala is pleased with. So this entire ibadat of Qurbani which has come to us from Ibrahim wasalam, in the hadith it is related that the Sahaba Ikram asked Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Ma hadhi al-adahi ya Rasulullah. What is this udhiya, this qurbani all about? Why are we to go through this? In other words, we are ready for it, but there must be some background to it. What is the background to it? Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa replied to them and said, This is the sunnah of your forefather Ibrahim alayhi salam. Yes, sunnah abikum Ibrahim. Ibrahim alayhi salatu salam, this time and this ibadat and these days of Eid al-Adha and in fact these entire days of Hajj, they bring alive all the lessons that Ibrahim left and his legacy. And the Quran Sharif in many places has ordered us to keep alive the legacy of Ibrahim Rasulullah has been commanded, وَاتَّبِعْ مِلَّةَ إِبْرَاهِيمَ Hanifa. You follow the way of Ibrahim Meaning those principles that Ibrahim was given, those are the same principles you are given also. Though the shariat and the details of your shariat might be different, but the same principles that he was given, you are being given. What were these principles? So there are many, many things in the Quran Sharif. For example, the most important aspect that Ibrahim highlighted to his people, and this is the most important aspect in any person's life. And this is the aspect that Rasulullah highlighted the, the, the most, and emphasized the most, and thought the most, and invited towards the most, and that is Tawheed, the wonders of Allah Tabaraka wa Ta'ala. Entire deen, it is based on this pillar of Tawheed. Tawheed is removed from the equation, everything else can be there. But if this, this is missing, or this has been weakened, then everything is weak. And if this is missing, everything is gone. Ibrahim also, he kept on highlighting the aspect of Tawheed to his people. Allah Ta'ala alone is the creator. Allah alone is the doer. Allah Ta'ala feeds me, He gives me to drink. If this tawheed and oneness of Allah Ta'ala in this regard is deep down in a person's heart, will he steal, will he rob, will he defraud somebody, will he cheat someone, will he deceive someone in order to eat something? in order to acquire some few coppers of the dunya. When I get ill, Allah alone is the one who cures me. There is nobody and nobody that has cure in his hand, but Allah Ta'ala. Nobody can give rizq, but Allah Ta'ala. وَالَّذِي أَطْمَعُ أَنْ يَغْفِرَ لِي خَطِيئَةِ يَوْمَ الدِّينَ And Allah Ta'ala alone is in who I have hope that He will forgive me on the day of Qiyamah. 
that Maliki Yawmiddin, the master of the day of judgment is only Allah Ta'ala. Nobody has any authority on that day. It is only the authority of Allah Ta'ala. To the extent that even the Anbiya Salam would be in a state of great anxiety, despite the fact that they are totally masoom and sinless. But the awe of Allah Ta'ala on that day will be such that they will also be anxious. And they will be saying, nafsi, nafsi, I am concerned about myself today. It will be Rasulullah who will intercede on behalf of everyone first. So Ibrahim highlighted this Tawheed. Now we are being in this time and of the year, while this Ibadat is now at the front of us, while the lessons of Ibrahim are at the front of our minds, this is the first lesson to keep reflecting upon. What is my level of Tawheed? How deep is this aspect of Tawheed in my life, in my heart? And to what extent I live by this? Alhamdulillah, as a aqidah, as a belief, everyone has it, every mu'min has it. Without this belief in Tawheed, there's no iman. But one is the belief in itself, the other is the strength of the belief. And that is something that plays out in day-to-day life. The person whose belief in Tawheed is extremely strong. Then all the various things that tempt a person to do haram, this won't come in his way. person who is now tempted to cheat someone, to deceive someone, let alone cheat or deceive someone, he will not be perturbed by somebody else doing the same business next to him because he knows my risk can only come to me and his risk can only go to him. Because Allah alone is providing for me and for him. The time of the tabi'een, there was an incident. One person came to one shopkeeper to buy something. It was towards the end of the day. The person said to him that, look, what you want? He wanted whatever he wanted, some grain. So he said, look, Go to the shop across the road there and buy it from there. Say, but don't you have it here? It's here. Says, I have it. But, but I've been observing today that what, that I did not see really any customers go to him. He's selling the same items that I sell. And I've, I've done enough business for the day today. But I didn't see enough going to him. He perhaps doesn't have enough to feed his children for the day. So you go and buy it from him. him. So he goes across, buys it from the person, he comes back. So when he comes back, the person says, didn't you get what you wanted? He says, no, I already got it. So what you came for? So I got the grain from him, but I came to take that belief and iman from you. What you, what made you do this? What made you send me away from your shop to the shop of your competitor, you may say? What made you do that? That is something inside you. Is something, there's a force within you, I've come to take that from you. I've got the grain from him, I've come to take the iman from you. Now this is the tawheed that made him do that. That risk that is decreed for me, Allah alone is the provider of, of that risk, can only come to me. Now what's for him, can only go to him, it can't come to me. So this tawheed, then together with this tawheed, Ibrahim wasalam, part of this Tawheed is this Ikhlas. 
Ikhlas is from Tawheed. That a person does everything only for Allah wa ta'ala. And this is that very big lesson that we get in this incident of Qurbani. That everything should be done for Allah wa ta'ala alone. And not for one instant should a person be following his own desires. Ibrahim was put through various tests. Now, there are various ways in which this can be looked at, how it can be discussed from different angles. But the various tests which we have heard so many times, he was asked to leave his wife and child in that barren place, then thereafter to slaughter the child. He was put through the test of being thrown into the fire of Namrud. All these various tests. But, but, but the one angle of this is that this was a test that does a person submit to the command of Allah Ta'ala or to his own desire? Who doesn't have that love for his own child, for his wife and now to be leaving them in a barren place in a place where there is no means of survival anybody would be very worried, very concerned. But Ibrahim it's an order of Allah Ta'ala, no questions asked. Without any question they are left there. What is this? My desire means nothing. That desire can be trampled. But the command of Allah Ta'ala, that can't be trampled. Time to slaughter the son. The desire is there that this child should be spared. That child himself, his desire would obviously be there. That my life, why must I give my life? I didn't commit any wrong. But father and son both submit to Allah Ta'ala's command against their desire. فَلَمَّا أَسْلَمَا وَتَلَّهُ لِلْجَبِينَ And both submitted, trampled their own desire. For Allah Ta'ala alone everything must happen. Not for my desire. Because desire is something that this desire, when a person starts following the desires of his nafs, this is the recipe for destruction. The great Nabi of Allah Ta'ala, Hazrat Dawud Salam, Allah Ta'ala is addressing him. Now can we imagine the Anbiya Alim what is the level of the purity of their inner selves? They are the most pure personalities that ever set foot on earth. So if there is any desire that comes in their heart too, that desire too would be very pure. But Allah Ta'ala is addressing Dawud Alim and he's saying to him, Ya Dawud, inna ja'alna ka khalifatan fil ard. Oh Dawud, we have made you or vicegerent on earth. Now, you have been tasked with this responsibility, فَحْكُمْ بَيْنَ النَّاسِ بِالْحَقِّ Now you judge between people in their issues, with haq, with justice, with adal, on the truth. And then Allah Ta'ala is addressing Dawud and saying, وَلَا تَتَّبِعِ الْهَوَى فَيُضِلَّكَ عَنْ سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ don't follow your desires. Otherwise, this will deviate you from the path of Allah Ta'ala. If a Nabi of Allah Ta'ala, who is so pure, and he is being addressed, that, that, that look, don't follow your desires, otherwise this will deviate you from the path of Allah Ta'ala, what can we say about ourselves? And how much more this would be applicable to us, that we should be very, very wary about following our own desires. Allah Ta'ala is saying, وَلَا تَتَّبِعِ الْهَوَىٰ Allah is addressing a Nabi of Allah Ta'ala who is masoom, who is sinless and the purity of his heart 
all the insan after the Anbiya alayhi wasalam can get together, they combined cannot reach a fraction of the purity of the heart of any Nabi of Allah Ta'ala. Allah Ta'ala is resting at Nabi of Allah Ta'ala. وَلَا تَتَّبِعِ الْهَوَا فَيُضِلَّكَ عَنْ سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ Don't follow your own desires, this will deviate you from the path of Allah Ta'ala. And this is where that lesson of ikhlas comes. That everything must be for Allah Ta'ala alone, there mustn't be any involvement of the nafs in it, any personal motive in it, any desire for one's own personal self in it. One great sheikh of his time, Sheikh Abul Hassan Nuri Rahmatullahi, he was one day walking along the shore, going somewhere, and he sees one boat is docked, and there's some barrels being offloaded. So inquired that, what is this all about? What's go- what's, what is in, in this barrel? He said, well, in this is wine, which has been brought from abroad, has been brought for the king. Now, the king is a Muslim, and the Muslim land, and now this wine is being brought in this manner. So there were ten barrels that were offloaded. So in that moment, he was overwhelmed with the consciousness of Allah Ta'ala, and that in such a blatant manner, Allah Ta'ala's command is being broken. He began breaking those barrels. Now these barrels have come for the king. He began breaking those barrels, one after the other. And he broke nine of these barrels. And in that moment, nobody had the courage to try and come and intervene and stop him also. He broke nine of these barrels, he suddenly stopped and started walking away. In any case, this was relayed immediately to the king. This is what happened, this person, this is what he did. So he was eventually arrested and brought into the court of the king. He was brought into the court of the king. So first the king, in a very, very uh, heated manner, he asked him that, who asked you, or what did you do? So he said, you know better what I did. You also know what I did. If you didn't know what I did, you wouldn't have had me brought here. So you definitely know what I did. So he was taken aback by this answer, but he got even more enraged. He says, who asked you to do this? Are you, do you have any authority to do this? Anybody gave you the authority? So he says, yes, the same being gave me the authority, that being who made you the king. So what, your, what proof you have that you have been given the authority? So he recited the ayat of the Quran Sharif. Ya Bunaya, aqimi salata wa amur bil ma'roofi anil munkar wasbir ala ma asabak. Oh my son, this is the advice Luqman Salatu Salam gave to his son which the Qur'an Sharif has preserved for us. So this is the command of Allah Ta'ala, that, Ya Bunayya Aqimi Salah, O my beloved son, establish Salah, and join the right, and forbid the evil. anil munkar, And in forbidding the evil, wasbir ala mama asabak. And in joining the right, and forbidding the evil, there might be challenges that will come. Then be patient on those challenges. Those challenges will come, but then, this is, this is the moment of sabr. So you see, this ayat has given me the authority. Now this authority is not something necessarily that everybody has the same level of authority. But the Ahlullah sometimes, they are in some specific halat and condition in which they are excused from having sometimes t- 
taken another level of authority, because the authorities of different levels, but in any case, at that moment he said, Allah Ta'ala gave me this authority. So the king now became a bit quiet, that this person definitely has got his reason for what he did, and he became ashamed that he himself is the person who is to blame. So he said, well, in any case what we are doing now is, that we are officially appointing you. We are officially appointing you to be the person in charge of seeing to it that nobody does anything wrong. Meaning the police, so to say. He said, okay, but fine, that is, be, let that be. There's one question I want to ask you now. The question is that there were ten barrels there. Out of these ten barrels, you broke nine. You left the last one. You left the last one and walked away. So you broke nine, what stopped you from breaking the tenth one? Because nobody came to stop you. You of your own accord just stopped and walked away. So he replied and said that I broke all those nine and up to the ninth one, my heart was clear and clean. When I broke the ninth, and just as I finished breaking the ninth barrel, this crossed my mind that really you are very brave, very courageous. You did not even be deterred by the fact that this belongs to the king. And that too did not become a barrier for you. You did what you did. So this thought about my achievement, I am somebody. And I did something. As soon as that thought came, I left the tenth one and went away. Because that tenth one now would have been for the gratification of my nafs. Would have been to appease myself, my, my nafs. It now was no more for Allah Ta'ala. It was no more so that I could be doing something to earn the pleasure of Allah Ta'ala. Now this was that level of caution within themselves and that fine scale that they had developed within themselves. And this is that lesson of ikhlas that we are being taught in this particular time and at every moment for that matter. But with these incidents, Ibrahim salam, that each test he's being put through, on the one side is that desire. Whereas those desires are halal desires. To have the desire to be having one's family still living with one, not seeing one's child being slaughtered and having the child living with one. It's a perfectly halal desire. But when it's a command of Allah Ta'ala, then that command of Allah Ta'ala will now come above that halal desire also and that will be put aside. What can be said about a haram desire? If even the halal desire will be put aside, like when a person fasting, then the food and drink is halal. But that halal food and drink in the time of the fast becomes haram for him. So he refrains from the halal food and drink because Allah Ta'ala's command. His desire is there sometime to have the cold water, but he doesn't drink it. This is the lesson we have been given, that everything now a person has to check within himself. I'm saying something, is it being motivated purely for the pleasure of Allah Ta'ala? I'm reprimanding somebody, is it for Allah Ta'ala's sake? Or is it for my nafs? I am advising somebody, is it for my nafs or for the sake of Allah Ta'ala? Sometimes what is being said might be very good, but if it is being said with the wrong motive, then that too would become a big problem for a person. Allah Ma'usmani Rahmatullah's golden words, that haq baat, haq tariqe se, haq jazbe ke saath, be athar nahi jati. Haq baat, one is what a person is saying is the truth. Meaning it's correct. It is what is in accordance with the command of Allah Ta'ala. Then 
what he is saying is correct, but is he saying it in the correct way? He is saying the correct thing, but he is saying it in a way that is totally incorrect. To just understand it in a simple example, that sometimes the same thing can be said to different people, but in one context it will be fine, in another context it will be totally out of place. That a person, his son didn't, didn't, didn't perform his salah, so he's saying to his son that you've got no shame, you didn't perform your salah. That's in his place, and that's perfect. And if his father didn't perform his salah, and he addresses his father the same way, what he said was right, 100% right. But what he said, he said it in the wrong way. And that is something that he crossed the line of respect for his father. He will have to advise him without crossing the line of respect. And if the father commanded him to do something wrong, he will have to disobey that. The father commanded him to break some law of deen, to do something which is against the command of Allah Ta'ala. He will have to disobey that with respect. He will have to disobey that but not cross the line of respect. This is the very fine balance that deen has taught us. That let alone anything else, the Qur'an Sharif says, if the parent is even insisting that must come with shirk, فَلَا تُطِعْهُمَا Then don't obey that. But immediately Allah Ta'ala says, وَصَاحِبْهُمَا فِي الدُّنْيَا مَعْرُوفَ But treat them kindly. Don't obey their wrong command, but treat them kindly. Don't say uff to them also. Even in that moment. Now, this desire comes in the way of all these things. That a person is saying the right thing, but sometimes the right thing is being said for a wrong desire. So, haq baad, haq tariqe say. He's saying the right thing, but he's saying it in the right manner. He's not saying it in a way that now humiliates someone, it runs somebody down, it degrades someone. And then, that too is not sufficient. Saying the right thing in the right way, for the right motive and reason. Haq jazbe ke when these three things are in place, says be asar nahirati. This will not go without its effect. It will bring its effect somewhere. So this is the lesson that Ibrahim in his life, all these lessons are glaring. In the ayat of the Quran Sharif, Allah Ta'ala says that Oman Ahsanu Mimman Aslam in this ayat Allah Ta'ala says that who can be better in his deen than the person who submits himself to Allah Ta'ala. Mimman aslama wajhahu lillah. Totally submits himself. The same submission, the whole lesson is a lesson of, of submission. Submission is not something where a person has given half and kept half. There's not submission. He submitted part of himself and kept part of himself to do what he wants. No, he submitted himself from head to toe. He submitted his eyes. He's not looking at haram. He's not looking behind him to see that who's watching. Allah Ta'ala is watching. He submitted his ears. He's not listening to haram. He's not speaking haram. He submitted his heart. He's not entertaining all the evil in his heart. So total submission. So... In this ayat Allah Ta'ala is saying, who is better in his deen than the one who has submitted himself to Allah Ta'ala? And he is doing what is correct, what is right. 
He is not doing something that is wrong. Now, in this there are two aspects. One is that he is submitted himself to Allah Ta'ala, even with his heart. So what he is doing is for Allah Ta'ala alone. So the ikhlas is there, but if the ikhlas is there and he is doing something wrong, but he say I am doing it sincerely, that is not going to help him. To do the wrong thing sincerely is not going to be of any good. He is doing the right thing with sincerity. Both these ingredients are necessary. Ibrahim <laughs> Hanifa, And this is the way that he followed, the way of Ibrahim wasalam. And Allah Ta'ala says, Allah Ta'ala made Ibrahim salam his khalil, his special friend. But what brought him to this? These qualities. These qualities of doing what is right, doing it for the right reason, for Allah Ta'ala alone. Having all the other qualities that Allah Ta'ala has mentioned in the Quran Sharif about him. Hanifa, Totally obedient to Allah Ta'ala. Totally aloof from everything that is away from Allah Ta'ala. In another place Allah Ta'ala says, Shakiran li an'umi. Totally filled with gratitude to Allah Ta'ala for all his bounties. And the reality of gratitude is obedience to Allah Ta'ala. Verbal gratitude, gratitude of the heart, gratitude of action. That his entire life is in the obedience of Allah Ta'ala. This is the reality of gratitude. All these things put together brought him to that level of khullah. Now nobody can become a Nabi of Allah Ta'ala. But by following in these footsteps, we too become the friends of Allah Ta'ala. By bringing in this obedience, bringing in this complete submission. So when putting that, that, that knife on the throat of that animal, the lesson is to put the knife on the animal within. The animal of that pride, the animal of that, that, that ego, the animal of that following of our personal desires against the command of Allah Ta'ala, the animal of looking at haram, the animal of all the evil things that run in our hearts, deliberately that we entertain, that knife on the throat of that animal is teaching us that, knife, that this knife must also be run on all these things within us. And then this heart will be purified of all the wrong and it will come onto that purity that is desired of us. So this is a very, very great ibadat, this ibadat of qurbani. But it is not just a ritual. It's not just slaughtering something and then enjoying something. But there's a very deep lesson that is given to us in all this. And if you look into the life of Rasulullah sallallahu wasallam, the sahaba kiram, and all the awliya of the ummah, this is the glaring aspect in their lives, the aspect of total submission to Allah. Total submission in all the conditions. Whatever situations came over them, whatever difficulties came in their way, whatever challenges came, no matter what it was, but there was complete submission to the command of Allah Ta'ala. Whether in prosperity or in adversity, whether in health or sickness, in any situation, turning to Allah Ta'ala alone. So this is what we have to learn and imbibe within ourselves. This is what we have to reflect on. How much of this Tawheed is deep down in our hearts? How much we are living this Tawheed in our day-to-day lives? How much of all these qualities that Ibrahim wasalam, Allah Ta'ala mentions about him? What level of it has come into our lives? How much of this gratitude and shukr has come? This obedience to Allah Ta'ala has come? This total submission to Allah Ta'ala? This is the things to reflect on. MashaAllah, we listen to these things, we talk about it, we read about it. But one aspect that needs to be added to all this, and that is to then sit and reflect upon it, to think about it. 
that this aspect of Tawheed was spoken about, how, how much of it is in my life? This aspect of Tawheed at the time of the Azan, this is a yardstick for me to judge. That what is my level of, of how deep is my Tawheed, the strength of Tawheed, how much is in it me? When the Azan is being called, where do I turn? Am I still stuck where I am? Or I move towards the house of Allah Ta'ala. When I'm being tempted towards haram, then this taslim and submission to Allah Ta'ala, this is a time to judge, judge, judge. When I'm tempted towards looking at haram, where do I turn? That's a yardstick now. That's a moment to judge. Has this taslim and submission to Allah Ta'ala really come in, in my life? When I want to just blurt something, all kinds of flowery languages, or just say anything to anybody and at that time, that desire to just blurt anything, when it comes to I suppress it, that will tell me how much of submission has come. So these are the things to reflect on. One is to listen to it, mashallah, that is a very essential part as well. But after having heard whatever Allah Ta'ala wants from us, what the, the requirements that Allah Ta'ala has mentioned to us in the Quran Sharif, what Rasulullah has taught us, so then ponder over it, to reflect over it, and to look within ourselves at how much of this is in me. And then what I have to do still to try and inculcate this. By pondering in this way, this tafakkur, this tadabbur, this is what opens the door of the heart. And this is what then starts the, the process of getting towards amal. It's first this fikr. And then fikr translates itself into amal, provided that this fikr continues and it grows to a point where it starts moving the person towards amal. Allah Ta'ala give me also the tawfiq and all of us the tawfiq. Wa akhiru da'wana alhamdulillahi rabbil alamin.